everyone. Welcome to Conversations with Khofane. My name is Khofane Mudise and I'm joined by a beautiful young lady by the name of Noma Lungelo Stofile. Hi Noma. Hi Khofa. How are you? I'm getting you. <laughs> Look at your smile. You're so giddy. Today we'll be talking about young women in the diamond industry. But before you get into that, let's just hear your story. So who is Noma and where did she come from? Um, uh, who is Noma? Noma is a curious soul. Um, Noma just likes to explore life, <laughs> explore you know the different elements of myself, explore different elements of different people, um, trying to find my purpose um, in various ways. Um, yeah, I'm a curious soul. I am. Uh, I was born in Zim while my parents were in exile. I have grown up in South Africa. I pretty much went to one school my entire life. <laughs> then I went to UJ and studied marketing. Um, and then I had a stint at the Market Theatre, producing theatre, arts, creative. Um, and then I came across these sparkly little stones. <laughs> I was like, ooh, what's that about? <laughs> and I jumped in, um, did quite a lot of training there. And now I have a business in the diamond industry. And I'm trying to merge all of these different passions, all of these different aspects of myself and, you know, create an interesting business. I can imagine someone listening to this and thinking, oh, it's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> come no. from one thing to another and just merge, no. boom, we're happy. <laughs> Not easy. But really, where, why would you invest so much of yourself in this diamond industry? I mean, from... You spoke about something. You spoke about uh, marketing, you know, with a bit of passion and the theatre, oh, and you kind of romanticised it a bit. And you like the diamond industry, all right? <laughs> well, I've always known that I'm not a corporate hun. Um, yeah. corp corporate has never sort of in fascinated me. I've had no interest at all. Um, I've always had some sort of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, in school, I would sell sweets and um, illegally sell chappies. <laughs> well, um, all my business is legal right now, so <laughs> putting it out there. Um, so I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit um, and I've always been creative and the interesting thing about producing is that it is essentially the business behind the arts. So you're the person putting together all of the creative aspects to put a production on stage and when you're a business person you're pretty much doing the same thing that I was doing in producing. Uh, diamonds these things call to you, man. <laughs> um, I think it really is a calling. I think when you when you speak to other diamonds that are still in the industry and still fighting the fight, they will also say, I don't know why I'm still in it, but I'm still in it. <laughs> so I think to a certain degree, it's a calling. I mean, speaking of calling, you, you really seem very set in stone. In a set in stone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the puns. Um, but really set in stone in this thing of diamonds and I call it a thing because it seems so distant from a lot of uh, black people, a lot of, you know, people, the everyday person. And so I'm just wondering, um, when you kind of grew up, was there something that kind of made you feel like, man, I love the way diamonds make me feel. I want to get back to that particular feeling that I had um, when I was younger. Not at all. Like my journey to diamonds is completely, I don't know what the word is, but it's not I was never exposed at all to diamonds um, growing up until my dad was working in Kimberley. And then I had a whole lot of questions for him around like, okay, Kimberley, big hole, diamonds, what's this about? 
um, tell me more. Um, went to the big hole, explored the whole diamond story. I was like, but why are there no females? <laughs> like, why are there no people that look like me? And then he almost dared me and he was like, well, if anybody can do it, it's you. Yeah. And at the time I was like, no, I'm all about the arts. I'm going to create, you know, this massive arts empire. And that's all that I'm about. Um, and then I think, so he passed away and I guess I just wanted something that would remind me of that moment, of that period, of you know our relationship while he was in Kimberley, um, and you know they called to me. They called <laughs> they to you. Called to me. You, you were just minding and your I'm business. Here. I was minding my own business in the arts, like being a creative, being an artist, helping artists, putting productions on stage, and they called to me. <laughs> and when you really think about your first generation diamond and that kind of holds a lot of. A heavy responsibility, I would imagine. So, I mean, just from the thought of, let me just try this to where you are now. Um, can you just take us through that journey? So when, you know, when I jumped in, I wasn't thinking I'm a first generation diamante. I didn't even know that, you know, that those kinds of concept, concepts existed. Um, up until you're like sitting in meetings or sitting around people and they're like sixth generation, eighth generation. And I'm like, wait. I started this <laughs> at first, um, and then you you know you. It's difficult. Um, it's very very difficult. Uh, you know the this industry is generational based, so people will do business with you off of your surname, off of who you know they know around you, um, off of the fact that you know generational this 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 that gives you credibility, and now you're walking in, saying I'm first. You're walking in, um, pretty much saying, I started this a few years ago, and they're like, oh, we've been in the industry for 20, 15, hundreds of years. Um, so, in, uh, you know, in the beginning, it was very intimidating. Um, and it took a mind shift for me to be able to say, you know, there's power in being the first. Uh, there's power in being able to set that trajectory, uh, being able to set the foundation for the next generation. There's power in that. So now I'm just trying to walk in that power, uh, but it is difficult. It is. Yeah, and, and talking about walking in that power, I mean, it must have been a bit taking you aback when you're like, okay, I see a lot of men, that's great, but where are my people at, you know? <laughs> um, so when you really think about it, um, about do you kind of maybe consider why there aren't as many females as we'd like them to be? Why um, is it the environment um, that's kind of, because it's a pretty hostile and uh, volatile, industry so i'm just wondering are we why are we considered just the wearer of diamonds as opposed to you know the polishers and the designers that's a very deep question why are there no women i you know i don't have the answer the industry is people like to work with what they're familiar with mm. um People like to interact with who they're familiar with. So, you know, they will interact with other men because, you know, they know there's, you know, they don't need to sort of walk on eggshells around, around men and how to engage with men, um, I'm assuming. Um, it's also, it requires a lot of skills in terms of, you know, your skills in polishing, your skills around the diamonds. I don't know if, a lot of opportunities have been given to women to even um, explore that. 
I think the the industry is also just intimidating for women to say, I also want to be a part of this, let alone, you know, men saying, okay, we want you to be a part of this as well. Uh, I think it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's something that we haven't as an industry sort of gotten down, but I think there are a lot of moves to try change that, whether I think it's enough, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and then as a young woman yourself, I mean, a young woman of color really, um, how do you kind of position yourself to, because like you said, it's quite intimidating, so how do you kind of position yourself to say, hey, I'm ready to play with the big boys, but also I'm still learning, you know? I think the, the one thing that I did is I tried to put myself in, in rooms where I'm learning constantly. So, you know, when I first got into the industry, I was paired with Molefi as my mentor and it was really difficult to get a hold of him. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, he's president of the guild. Let me volunteer my services to the guild so that I'm always around and I can always hear what's happening. And then I can learn from everybody else at the table. Um, and I think from there, I got to understand the lay of the land, um, just globally, locally, but also those companies or those individuals within the guild and see and understand really the challenges they were going through, which sort of helped me um, be more realistic about my trajectory in the industry and, and how I navigate the industry. Uh, so I think that's one thing that I did differently. I just pushed to make sure that I was in the right rooms. Um, and then eventually, I think they started to see that, okay, she's serious. She's not a fly by night. <laughs> she's really putting in the work. She, she, she's trying to learn as much as possible. Um, there was no job that was too small. I was like writing minutes and stuff. <laughs> so, <Well. laughs> you know. Um, so I think that sort of got them to understand that I'm serious. Um, and that got them to sort of call me and say, hey, uh, there's this happening. Would you be interested in sitting in? Uh, this is happening, would you be interested in attending, you know? So I think that's, that's a suggestion that I would make to any other woman. Uh, just make sure that you're constantly pushing, even if you think you're annoying people, because I really do feel like I annoyed a lot of them <laughs> in the beginning. Eventually they were just like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just going to burst that door down, might as well. Like, and so, yeah. I mean, like when you really think about... Um, the, the, the mindset that is required, which is a pretty strong mindset that's required to really get into this industry, whereas there's this, and, and you know, they're not wrong, you know, who, those who feel like it's so hard and it's, it's really difficult, there's this glass ceiling, I'm trying to get through it, but I can't. So what kind of mentality do you think kind of is, is required for one, I mean, male or female, to just really, um, like I said, position themselves in this industry in a way that they won't really feel the impact as much as if they were just on their own and trying vibes. <laughs> trying vibes. Trying vibes. <laughs> um, you constantly need to be learning and open to learning. You can't, you know, get into the industry thinking you know everything. Sure. Um, you don't. There are people that still evaluate goods and they, you know, will make a purchase and it's just like, oh my God. That was not a good purchase. Yeah. And then you're going to come into the industry and think you know everything. So I think um, being someone that is open to learning, uh, being someone that is um, humble. <laughs> right? Because 
these diamonds will humble you, man. Like, <laughs> I love that they will humble you. They're all sparkly, and everybody gets caught in the hype. But um, I think once you surround yourself with a lot of the diamonds here in the industry, you get to see why they're humble, <laughs> and a lot of them are humble. Um, and they're not about sort of a lifestyle. They just have, we have quite a lot of reverence for diamonds. Uh, we respect them. Mm. Um, so, you know, you need to respect your craft. It is a craft. It's not glitz and glam. You need to respect your craft. Um, what else? Shoo. <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> And it's, such, it's so interesting that you refer to it as a craft because given your art background and, and that sort of thing. So how do you kind of, did you leave it completely? Did you leave the art aspect of who you are completely? Or are you trying to incorporate art and diamonds and just kind of merge your two passions? So I did leave it completely for a while. Um, and I think what had happened was because there aren't a lot of people like me you end up being the only female or whatever reason, I started to try assimilate and I started to sort of lose aspects of myself. Uh, but through the De Beers program, they pay you with a personal coach. And through that, we've been working towards getting me back to, you know, being more authentic and being more myself and I don't need to assimilate. Um, and through that, now I'm starting to incorporate my arts at, uh, background and trying to find ways of differentiating the business um, in an authentic way and being authentic to me would be, you know, arts, diamonds, wine, all of these lifestyle elements, um, all of these creative elements that make me who I am. Right. And just backtracking to being paired with a mentor and being paired with Nabisi, I'm sure you had an idea of how the diamond industry works before being paired. And then you kind of got into it and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's not the story that I was sold. <laughs> so, I mean, the disconnect between the idea that you had and what you've been experienced. So um, what was that difference that, you know, from the idea before and the actual experience? I think the great thing is when I decided I was getting into the industry, I went straight into a college where the first thing I was faced with was rough diamonds. So my first love is rough diamonds. Um, evaluating the rough, cutting and polishing. So I had a very realistic view of what I was getting into from that aspect because I was in a factory cutting and polishing diamonds and not, you know, dealing with the polished diamonds. The polished diamonds, passion and love came after all of that. So I was a bit more realistic in I'm going to be a factory worker. I'm going to be like wearing all black and <laughs> and getting dirty and getting my hands dirty. So that was what I walked into the industry as opposed to someone that walks in thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be like super glamorous, we're going to be dealing with all of these expensive things, we're going to, no. <laughs> I had a very realistic um, view of what I was getting into. Then getting paired with Mulifi, I think the first question I asked him was, because I was hearing a lot of people saying the diamond industry is dying, all of this, and my first question to him was, is there any use getting into this <laughs> industry? Because everybody keeps telling me it's dying. Um, and one of the first things he did is he took me to a trip, um, Hong Kong show, to show me that <laughs> the industry is booming. <laughs> you just need to find how to right. place yourself. So that opened my eyes completely, and I really do wish that we had a lot more opportunities for young diamond tears to you know, see what's happening globally, because then 
you know, your view isn't just South Africa and, oh, South Africa is dying out and they're, you know, we're closing factories. The view should be how do we position ourselves as South Africa to be beneficiators for the continent and then export polished diamonds, export jewelry, you know? Yeah. And when you really look into mentorship in general, because you've been mentored by a couple of amazing people, I'd like to believe, uh, when you kind of look into the impact and the role mentorship has played in you becoming, um, can you just kind of take us through that particular journey? It's been crucial. Like, um, I think it's very important to find people that will um, guide you, uh, look at what your vision is. And I think that's important. You also have to have a vision for yourself because I think mentorship can be a bit skewed. And I think some people are afraid of mentoring mm. because there's a view of I'll be doing the work. So I think it's very important that for someone who wants to be mentored should go in with questions, should go in with a sort of view of what it is they would like to get out of it. Um, I think so it's been it's been crucial for me because it's opened up my eyes. It's been a way that my character has been molded um, as an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, I could go on. <laughs> I could go on. Um, but yeah. it's crucial in the industry as well because people will do business with you off of the basis of who do they know that knows mm. you. You know, and if you're coming in as first generation, if you're coming in young with no one to back you, it's going to be incredibly difficult to navigate the space. So we need to have more mentors. We need to have more people open to sharing their knowledge, sharing their skills, sharing their networks, which is very difficult. Um, the diamond industry is a family business. And someone once said, you know, families have secrets. Um, Ooh, yeah. And not in the sense that it's a dangerous thing, but the secrets would be they don't want to share their networks. And that's very difficult. So when you find people that are willing to say, hey, go speak to this person about ABCD, you know, your whole trajectory, your whole um, where you can grow and where you can eventually find yourself will change. So we need more mentors in the industry, uh, but we also need more people that, um, you know, that are open to to sharing information, to sharing um, advice, to sharing about their story. I think that's another thing that was that's been really great. Um, with the people that have coached me and mentored me is, you know, it gets really difficult and you get to a point where it's like, I want to quit. Yeah. And then they tell you your story, their story and they tell you about the moments they've wanted to quit and they tell you about their struggles. And then you're like, okay, one more day, <laughs> <laughs> one more week. Three hours and I'm done. <laughs> so that's also something that can motivate you um, to know that you're not alone, you're not a failure. Because in, in the beginning, I really did feel like, mm. I'm failing at this thing. This is not working. So to have people to say, no, but I've, I've been through what you've been, what you're going through, and you just need to stick at it. Yeah. And then in the inverse, I mean, I can't imagine someone saying the moment they say, go talk to this and this person, they were throwing so much trust and loyalty upon you. Yes. So how do you kind of position yourself? I'm using the word position a lot now, but how do you position yourself as an ideal mentee, especially considering that, you know, you're kind of in the minority side of things? 
So I try not to think about the minority side of mm. things because I can get caught up in that. Um, I just look at what can I offer. Um, I think I'm relatively smart. Okay, just a bit. <laughs> I work hard. <laughs> I work hard. Um, I love people. I love what I do. I'm really passionate about what I do. And I think that translates to a lot of the people that I interact with. Um, and I conduct myself professionally. <laughs> um, and I take what I do seriously. I, I take myself seriously. <laughs> so I think people are open to that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, you'd think it's something easy to do, but then you'd find that if that's not your core value, um, it might be very difficult to just even be your authentic self and being yeah. true to who you are. And so speaking of being true to who you are, Sunrise Gems, when you conceptualize Sunrise Gems, uh, what did you have in mind? Why that name? And what, what are you trying to do with this particular business? So Sunrise Gems came about because um, my bonus dad, it, he I you're going to talk about like bonuses and money. No. I was so ready for that, <laughs> but it's okay. Same girl. <laughs> um, my bonus dad has a business and his business is Sunrise. Um, my brother's business is Sunrise. And just to follow on with the sort of legacy of that, I was like, ooh, Sunrise Gems. And um, he started... He called it Sunrise because he wanted to see sort of a rise of brilliance within black people, a rise oh, wow. of brilliance within the family. Um, and I really love that. So I sort of adopted it. <laughs> and that's how Sunrise James came about. Um, when I initially got into the business, it was just about buying rough, cutting and polishing, selling. <laughs> and then people started to ask me about making jewelry for them. I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> there's also this. So when I say to you, my entrance into the industry was not at all about sort of the glamorous part. It was literally just like, I'm ready to be a factory person. <laughs> like, I'm ready to own a factory. Um, then they started to ask me about jewelry, started creating jewelry, learning about that business. Um, and now it's been how do I now pair my arts background with creating and developing and building jewelry. Um, what sort of story do I, do I want to tell with jewelry? Um, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I have a couple of ideas about that. Yeah. Are you, are you ready to share at least one? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and this is a very legacy-based um, industry. And so, I mean, not to apply pressure, but geez, man, there's just a whole generation coming after you um, of sunrise gemmers, so to speak. And sunrise I mean, gemmers. <laughs> and so do you kind of have that in your mind, at the back of your mind, whenever you do what you do? Yes, I think we, a lot of us know that we're building these businesses not for ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're building them for the next generation. Uh, the sacrifices we're making is for the next generation. Um, so definitely, it's not for me really, <laughs> it is for the next generation um, and everything that I am doing is around legacy. Um, so one of the first ranges I'm working on is a legacy range, um, sort of having heirlooms that um, families can, you know, own and be proud of. Um, I like the idea of, you know, 
passing things down from generation to generation, um, which is what this business is about. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, the song Diamonds Are Forever. They are. You know, so it's just like forever and ever. We're keeping this. So when you, like you had mentioned that you had gone um, to Hong Kong um, for a show, an exhibition of sorts. And so when you take South Africa, for example, and where the diamond industry is now given, you know, as a woman, and then you compare with other nations or, you know, other continents, uh, how, how's the disparity? If they said it all. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, I think we have a lot of work to do. We, you know, we speak about beneficiation quite a lot. And we need to find ways of really, truly thinking about what that means for us. I think we have so much potential um, to be almost the hub of beneficiation for the for the continent. Um, we've started quite quickly with, you know, beneficiation projects and all of these, um, all of these projects that to, to sort of make sure that we have, you know, black owned uh, polishing factories, we have female owned polishing factories. And I think we need to now think of how we can take that further so that we ensure that we're no longer exporting rough, but we're we're finding ways of keeping the true value of our resources on the continent. Um, I think we have a we're in a beautiful position to collaborate with so many of our you know neighboring countries like Botswana, like we're doing now. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a lot of work to do, but I think what's great now is a lot of the industry organizations are now starting to talk more and we're now starting to find ways of collaborating more which is great and we're no longer working in silos which is pivotal to us you know moving forward and being a true player in the global space um also i think what's beautiful is there's a lot of there's a lot of us making some waves internationally um, which then puts South Africa on the map, which is great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and when you think about you know these aspects of collaboration and beneficiation, you were also part of the De Beers beneficiation program. Mm. Um, how has that experience been for you, and how has that kind of molded and carved your pathway to you know Sunrise being the soon-to-be go-to <laughs> polishers and jewelry producers? Yeah. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> Your experience with being part of the beneficiation program by De Beers. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been great. It's been great. I think I've grown quite a lot um, as an individual, as a entrepreneur, as a diamondteer, as a business we've grown and we're continuing to grow. Um, having the opportunity to be a part of Digisano Moko has also been great. Um, because now we are able to collaborate with designers um, and jewelers that we wouldn't, you know, normally have thought to collaborate with. Um, you know, working with a refiner and a jewelry manufacturer like Isabella Jewelers has been, you know, really great. Um, it's also given me an opportunity to think about how I can place um, Sunrise James jewelry in the market, um, and again 
how I present a lot of the, the sort of ideas that I have for Sunrise Gems. Um, so we need a lot more of those collaborations. Uh, it would be great to see industry organizations collaborating like that as well, um, as opposed to just the businesses. But I think this is a beautiful start. Uh, you know, the, you had the podcast with uh, Mr. V from the State Diamond Trader and Kahiso from De Beers. We need to see more of that. Yeah. To see more of these industry organizations talking, communicating, trying to find ways of how we can grow the industry. Right. And so you speak a lot about growing the industry. And of course, you can't just do that. You can do that, you know, but there are certain positions or titles that are required <laughs> for your voice to be heard. So can you take us through your, should I call it a recent appointment, so to speak? Which one? <laughs> what are you talking about? Please don't do this to me. <laughs> so yes, um, I, I mentioned that I, uh, in the beginning, sort of volunteered um, with the South African Young Diamond Beneficiators Guild. And I've sort of grown with the organization. Um, the organization was a bit um, not to say stagnant, but they were doing a lot of work in the back end and not sort of showing people that they were doing work. Um, and, you know, the individuals that started it have now moved on to different positions and they sort of wanted to give way to new generation, which is some of us. Um, so I've been newly elected as the president of the South African Young Diamond Beneficiators Guild, which is exciting. Uh, because now I get to find different ways of molding how we grow the industry, um, how we assist um, young diamond tears. Um, you know, I know very well how difficult it is to navigate the industry being a first generation diamond tear. And we're finding that a lot of people entering the diamond industry now are first generation diamond tears. Mm. They are black, they are female. How do we assist them to navigate the industry? How do we, um, sort of put together programs where, you know, in lieu of there not being a succession because they're not second or third generation, how do we create those platforms for there to be a seamless succession? Um, you know, the industry is really difficult. I always joke and say, if someone were to ask me if they would join the industry, I'm always like, no, don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like a, that's a guiding word for me because I know for me it's, if we can grow the guild to be, uh, to be able to make sure that we can eventually say, yes, join the diamond industry, we're ready for you, mm. then we would have done a good job. Right. And then when you kind of reflect, I mean, from jumping from like marketing, yeah. you know, the theater and then just being in the diamond industry, what is your, uh, your anchor, your why? Trying to find purpose. Mm, still trying. Ooh, because you, you just started anyway. Got you. <laughs> you just got here. You're new in this, but like, how do you do that? How do you? You say that you take pride in that, in a way, because I mean, I, I when I thought about it, and I'm like, she just said trying to find purpose, and she, you see, you no, know, you take pride in the fact that you're not rushing yourself to be, oh. you know, this very well oh, established. The trying. <laughs> the fun is in the trying. <laughs> So like, how do you take pride in just being true to who you are and saying, no, we're still trying to find our why, but at least we're doing. How do I take pride in that? Mm. That's a very good question because I haven't, I really did think that there was something wrong with me. 
Um, I didn't take pride in it. I, I almost, I was very jittery and anxious. And now to get out of that anxiety, to get out of that sort of space of perfection, I had to have a mind shift of enjoy the process. Um, and that's why I like to say I'm a curious person. So I'm curious in what my purpose is. I'm curious in, ooh, maybe that's part of it. Ooh, maybe that's part of it. And then trying to put them all together and blend them and maybe all of that would somehow come to the bigger purpose. Yeah. Um, so that's why I can take pride. I'm, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to explore <laughs> what this life has to offer. I'm trying to explore what I can offer this life. Yeah. And what have you learned about the business of diamonds? Because I would imagine they're just different from the, you know, just kind of buying diamonds as we see. Like, oh, I like that necklace. I'm just going to get that. Your facial expressions <laughs> before you answer any question. Finish me. What have I learned from the business of diamonds? I've learned a lot about respect. Oh, wow. And honoring um, what you do. Um, I've learned a lot about love. Yeah, because we all love what we do. A lot of us really, really love what we do. Um, and sometimes it's abusive, man. <laughs> Diamonds will humble you. Like. <laughs> but we still wake up every day and we're like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go try again because we love what we do. Um, from the polishers to, you know, planners to jewelry designers, we love what we do. We're literally giving pieces of our heart to the world. Um, so I've learned a lot about love. And, and it's funny we say that diamonds are about love and we only think, we only ever think about the romantic love. But yeah. Man, the people behind diamonds love what they do. <laughs> so I've learned a lot about love, which is really strange. That's a, yeah. That's interesting. That's thinking about. Yeah, thinking about <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, earlier you spoke about, you know, the time when you were in Kimberley with your dad and you're like, oh, but, you know, why, 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 don't, why are we taking some diamonds home? <laughs> that sort of thing. So, I mean, what, what ideas do you have in mind or what thoughts have you had in terms of just kind of re reducing that disconnect between, you know, only girl. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> you're really trying to, you really. I'm trying to get it out to of get you. <laughs> so. Kofa's pushing this narrative. <laughs> Thank you. So when I was young, <laughs> my parents gave me a little book, and the book was accompanied with a teddy bear. And the book was basically a storyline of this journey that I took with this teddy bear. Um, and you know, it was very personalized, so it was literally Noma and the teddy bear were running through the forest. I don't know why. We were running through the forest, but anyways. Um, and I still have the book, but I don't have the teddy bear because my brothers burned it. Long story. <laughs> <laughs> and now I came across the book and I was like, it would be really great to have this book that would journey with someone and then have something accompany it that would get burnt something forever. <laughs> And what says forever better than a diamond? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've come 
we've worked on a couple of storylines um, around an individual and their diamond jewelry piece um, to speak to heirlooms. Um, and it's essentially, you know, about a family passing down this diamond, um, passing down a story, passing down heritage through a diamond, and a child being able to go through life with this diamond that reminds them of special moments with their family, which is exactly why I joined the industry, because it's a reminder of a very special moment with my dad. It's a reminder of, you know, the the trust and the belief he had in me. Um, so I sort of want to recreate that moment I had with my dad and put it in a diamond jewelry piece in a book. Right. That's that's all I wanted from you. It wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs> it wasn't that hard. And it's, it's interesting, like, do you, do you ever get that? Um, where people kind of say to you, hey, you know, you said this word and kind of challenged me to do such and such in the diamond industry and now I'm doing it. No, I'm not that. I'm you not are. That deep. I'm telling you. People might not know this. I follow you, like on LinkedIn. <laughs> on LinkedIn, feel like they're so proud of you and they're rallying behind you. <laughs> I can imagine how overwhelming that must be. But um, I just wanted to ask you. You know, you talk about diamonds not as a luxury product per se, but something that is worthwhile in terms of attaching value that is not aesthetic but that's true and has purpose and meaning. Um, why is that? I think it's because um, I'm a really bad salesperson. <laughs> it's not that deep. <laughs> I'm a really bad salesperson. I'm good at marketing, hey? Who would have thought? I know, marketing is so broad though. I can tell stories, marketers tell stories. Yeah, I get you. Um, so I know that I struggle to sell a product. I struggle to convince people to buy this over this. Um, I'm very big on the why. I'm really big on um, value. And I need to be able to believe in something enough to be like, but this is brilliant. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's a matter of taking my background in storytelling and blending it in with what I believe diamonds to be. Um, and for me, diamonds aren't just the romantic love. It's, you know, I look at a diamond, I work on diamonds, and I remember that my father believed in me so much that he thought that I could change this thing, <laughs> you know? Um, so when I look at diamonds, it's not uh, just a luxury product. It's, it has a lot of meaning, and that's, that's what I view diamonds as. And that's sort of, again, I want to recreate that for other people. To look at it beyond, oh, diamonds, um, do I buy a diamond or an LV bag? It should be, when this person bought me this diamond, this was the moment, this, this is what their wish and their hope was for me. Um, so it's bigger than just like sparkly things. It's <laughs> bigger than sparkly things. <laughs> and then um, when you consider the next five to 10 years. Girl. Tell me. Yeah. I'm trying to survive today. <laughs> I told you, <laughs> I told you. The next five to 10 years. <laughs> Ooh. I, 
I see myself doing really interesting things around diamonds. I see myself being pivotal in uh, shaping how um, South Africans, how Africans, how black people, how mm. women view diamonds. Mm. Women in the sense that, you know, still today women feel like men should buy them diamonds. And I'm like, buy yourself your first diamond. Um, I think it's Wilson Shai that has that poem where she says, I am mine before I'm ever anyone else's. Ooh. And for me, it's like, why don't you buy yourself a diamond so you can be yours before you are ever, ever anyone else's? Um, black people, because there's a perception that diamonds are too expensive and they're not. You know, there really is a diamond for every budget. Uh, but again, because diamonds have always been seen to be an other thing, it's for other people, we haven't bridged the gap to say it's also for us, mm. you know? So I see myself playing a very pivotal role in um, shaping the way people view and perceive diamonds in the various ways through the book, um, through other projects, um, and just being myself, mm. continuing to explore, finding ways of blending arts and diamonds, finding ways of blending wine and diamonds. Again, like I don't want to work a day in my life, so I'm trying to <laughs> make sure I have all of my passions from doing all at, <laughs> all at once. And then for those who kind of are trying to break away from the mold of speaking about the challenges that come with this industry or just entrepreneurship in general, um, what is what is the word that you could give them to say, okay, I hear your challenges, but like there's a bigger there's a bigger picture here that we need to all involve ourselves in. Speaking for all the women out there. <laughs> Can you ask the question again? <laughs> In a different way. <laughs> um, I think so I don't have the answers. <laughs> I really don't have the answers. I have all of the questions. I think we. We need to go into asking ourselves why, again, the same way that we feel consumers feel like diamonds aren't for them. As women, maybe we need to feel like, why do we feel like we can't get in? Um, I think we need to ask people in the industry why they aren't playing their role in making it easier for people to enter the industry and how we can all then play a, a role in making it not seamless, but a lot less difficult because it it's, um, it's a challenge. So I don't want to undermine the challenges people are going through to be like, don't think about it. It's all consuming, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think Finding community is crucial. Oh. Um, at the lowest of the low is when I've isolated myself. And you need community to sort of rail you back in, to either tell you to stop <laughs> feeling sorry for yourself or to again tell you the stories of when they were coming up and um, the challenges they went through and how they overcame them, to giving you a hand. Um, showing you direction, uh, showing you different people that you could work with. So I think find your community, 
Um, again, Tijisanamok was also part of like a big thing around um, me being able to find my community as well. So I would say, you know, their concerns, their challenges are valid. Um, they need to tap into the people around them. They need to tap into why they started and maybe that can then help them keep going or find a way to differentiate themselves within this huge pool of diamond yeah. tears and diamond businesses. Yeah. And so when you look at yourself in the present, because I don't want to say we talk about the future or the past, but like when you look at your, who you are now and your very essence, um, what are the thoughts you have about yourself, especially being within this industry and your identity? I'm deep. I know. I know. Listen. The way you Listen. We're going to put dramatic music. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm really happy with um, how I've gone about things. Um, really proud of myself <laughs> um, yeah I just you know I'm pretty badass um, can I <laughs> can you thank you <laughs> um, yeah it's you it's That's interesting it. you know saying things about yourself you're like well actually so awkward kind of, you know? <laughs> but I mean it's true it's true you're like the Curious diamond here. I think <laughs> I think we're on to something. What do you think about yourself, Papa? I'm amazing. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> do you not hear me? Are you not overwhelmed by my presence? <laughs> but it's a real thing. And I think, you know, especially within this industry, um, there's a lot that I've learned. I'm not necessarily in it, but just, just seeing it and seeing people like yourselves. And whether you know it or not, you're redefining the narrative and you're saying, who better to tell the story than yourself you know you can tell your own stories and mm -hmm. your story is valid and it's enough and it can inspire the next person it might not inspire this person now but yeah like you said there's just a whole legacy left to leave behind and so final words yeah. before we wrap up something deep <laughs> something touching or even something as beautiful as still trying to find purpose because you know sometimes you think you found your purpose and then you realize oh I actually want to do this and double into this so I think it's such an honest and deep, <laughs> very deep answer. So what are the final words you'd leave just any entrepreneur or anyone just listening to you who's having a hard time with life? <laughs> deep breaths. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Keep going. If you want to. I don't know. If you want to. That's the clause. If you want to. But I mean, geez, Norma. <laughs> I'm actually very honored. I'll come back to you in five years. <laughs> I'll come back to you in five years. Will you? I feel like you're... I'm, I'm going places. Yeah. My, my PA will come back to you in five years. Okay, thank you. I'm like, oh, no, ma. <laughs> <laughs> greetings. You're doing great, sweetie, is what she said. Keep it up. <laughs> but really, just keep it going, hey? We'll try. Yeah. It's a real thing. <laughs> It's a real thing. People on the curious diamond here. <laughs>
<laughs> Sunrise Gems, President. Jeez, and it's only the beginning. Um, but she spoke a lot about humility. She spoke a lot about community and authenticity and always wanting to learn. And this speaks beyond the diamond industry. Yeah. I think any industry one wants to really flourish in, mm. those are the key elements. Mm. You can cope me on that. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to everyone watching and listening. I'm Khofana Midise and this is Conversations with Khofana. Connect with me on all social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Khofana Midise.